Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ohio Athletic Trainers Association podcast. I'm Mike Johnson, your host. We are here for our second episode in the month of April. Uh, This episode is actually what we were going to do in March, but thanks to COVID, we had to push things back a little bit. A couple disclaimers before we get into everything. Uh, General disclaimer statement, the views, information, and or opinions expressed during the podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the Ohio Athletic Trainers Association. The OATA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast series. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate, inform, and create dialogue among those listening. This podcast series does not constitute medical advice or services and is also not a source for continuing medical education. The Ohio Athletic Trainers Association does not discriminate on the basis of race, color, national origin, religion, sect, disability, military status, sexual orientation, or age. The Ohio Athletic Trainers Association is committed to accessibility and non-discrimination in all aspects. Participants who have special needs are encouraged to contact program organizers so that all reasonable efforts to accommodate these needs can be made. Throughout this episode of the podcast, there will not be any copyrighted material used, and myself and my guests have no conflicts of interest to disclose. So we got all that out of the way. Um, My guest today is Dr. Joan Rocks. Um, and I will let her introduce herself. We have a, a very <clears throat> interesting, in my opinion, some of you might not like it, but I think this is a, a very interesting and important topic that will create a lot of discussion. And this is, this is an episode I've been looking forward to. So our topic today is athletic trainer versus trainer. Does it matter or why it matters? Okay. So Joan, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks for coming on. Um, So before we dive into our topic today, uh, why don't you go ahead and give everybody an introduction, uh, who you are, uh, your your background, your education, current position, um, and any OATA involvement that you might have. Okay, sure. Love to. Well, I began my career in athletic training by attending Marietta College. And at the time, Marietta had just uh, been notified that they were going to be we were in, in an internship program my junior year. We were one of the first accredited programs uh, to come on board. So that was really helpful for me as far as setting the standard for um, athletic training excellence education, uh, especially in Ohio. From there, I went to Canisius College in Buffalo, New York to get a master's degree in sports medicine. And then After that, I headed back to Ohio and started my first athletic training job at Heidelberg University. I was hired as an assistant athletic trainer and was fortunate there to be able to progress through the ranks a little bit to head athletic trainer and then program director where we started an internship-based program. I spent spent five years at Heidelberg and uh, realized at the time that the program was hitting a wall. I was having a hard time getting it through as far as being approved at the university level. And then a position opened at Otterbein College at the time, and it really was a lateral move for me. Um, there was a great opportunity there with the athletic training program to do some really good things. The location was ideal. So I jumped at the position um, and started as an assistant athletic trainer and I have been at Otterbein, which is now Otterbein University, for the past 28 years. So I've been very, very lucky at Otterbein. Um, I've been able to progress through the ranks um, and 
become the, uh, my current position, the athletic training program director, as well as the chair, department chair of health and sports sciences. So um, Otterbein has afforded me some huge opportunities. And, you know, along the way, I've been able to uh, be involved in OATA. There's a period of time, I think, that it was my primary job. Um, and I say that as I think the late 90s, I started um, just volunteering to do some things with the uh, the OATA symposium, uh, mainly with the student program, was helping with that. And then in 1999, Lisa Kluczorowski was the um, state meeting planner, and she asked if I would be the program director. So moving basically from developing the student program to helping uh, develop and run and get everything set up for the main program. I did that for four or five years, and then Lisa um, decided to step down. And as you, if you know Lisa, she's heavily involved in a lot of different things. So um, I took that opportunity and became the state meeting planner and did that, that until 2010. And, um, you know, it was a, a really um, a, a neat process for me just uh, to be able to, number one, meet and have a phenomenal team to work with as far as another group of athletic trainers I normally didn't engage with, but were from all over the state and just uh, was really lucky to have a great team and thought we did a really good job um, putting on a, a quality state symposium and um, that was pretty much the the, you know, the detail and the time and the uh, main parts of where I've been involved in the OATA. All right, awesome. I had a feeling you would do this, but uh, you would leave this little tidbit out, so I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, Joan is also an OATA Hall of Fame member um, class of 2016, correct? Did I get that right? Okay, correct. good. So um, we are in the presence of greatness here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so I don't know about that, um, but thank you. <laughs> well, um, you've certainly done a lot, um, you know, down at Otterbein. Um, <clears throat> I know being down at, um, you know, I did my undergrad at Ohio State, um, mm -hmm. so very, very close, um, and we had a lot of interaction. You know, a lot of our clinical sites were were shared mm -hmm. clinical sites between Otterbein yeah. and Ohio State and mm -hmm. uh, certainly some great Otterbein students um, that I, you know, worked with and um, everybody always spoke very highly of you. So um, I, I want to get into our topic here. And before we dive in, I just want to throw this out there. So this is a topic that is you know, I was on a handful of Facebook groups, which I eventually ended up leaving because they drove me nuts. Um, <laughs> and they were athletic training specific groups. And anytime somebody would, would bring this topic up, there would be a lot of, a lot of backlash and a lot of, um, you know, the, the best way I can describe it is people would just, the phrase that I would see get thrown around a lot is like, hey, we're beating a dead horse here, guys. We're beating a dead horse here. And despite that, I think the conversation still has to be, has to be had. And I think there's a lot of different, you know, people have a lot of different opinions on this topic. And I think I'm going to, I hope that you and I can address this from all angles um, as we go through this. So first question, even though I'm 99% sure I already know the answer, what do you refer to yourself as? Are you an athletic trainer or are you a trainer? Well, absolutely. A uh, thousand percent athletic trainer. And okay. Um, I'll be happy to, there, there's a couple, couple reasons why. Um, one, obviously it's the, it's the name of our profession is what I believe in. 
Um, it is something that I personally have been adamant about, uh, not only teaching to my students and making sure that they use that correct terminology, it's a, it's a licensed term that we, we have to continue to use to identify ourselves, to be able to get the recognition and more importantly, the understanding of what our profession really is. So I am, uh, I am extremely adamant about that. My students uh, uh, from day one, from Heidelberg all the way through Otterbein, they, I teach freshmen, first of all, um, and that's day one. We talk about the importance of saying athletic trainer, saying athletic training room, being very purposeful in that so that they have an understanding and they can take that message forward as well. Um, I learned that lesson uh, the hard way, to be honest with you. Um, one of my first months at Canisius College, and a little backstory here to this, um, I, I was fortunate to work with, um, I don't know if you remember Pete Kanicki, who um, before Katie, he ran um, KHEP at the, at the time with the, he did a great job with the accreditation part of our program. Uh, so he was the head athletic trainer and the program director at Canisius, along with Mike Dole and two great, great mentors there. Um, as a graduate assistant, you know, there's a lot of different things you have to do, a lot of, a lot of uh, grunt work that you were given. One of my assignments one day was to make sure everybody knew that we were having an athletic training program meeting that evening. So I had to go reserve the room. Long story short, I put a sign up on the door and said, uh, trainers meeting tonight, seven o'clock. And by the time I got back, I, I was usually the first one there to get things set up. As I went to open the door, uh, right before the word trainer was... Um, handwritten cat dog horse question mark and I was like I looked at that and I knew it was Pete's writing and I'm like oh crap I was like you know and I just was just in haste doing that but from that point on I have never ever used the word trainer and um, it was a great point and I think Pete purposefully kept that sign up for about a week so <laughs> uh, not just for me but you know the students in the program as well and uh, that's uh, from early on, it's been embedded. I have um, 13 nieces and nephews that have been injured and play sports and have been injured and they, um, along the way, but they understand what I do, but they, uh, they will also, they know how important it is for me. And um, we'll be sitting watching a, a Ohio State Buckeye game and, you know, the announcers will come on and say, well, the trainers are on the field and they'll, they'll jump in there and say, they're athletic trainers. So I've, I have definitely brainwashed them into that, but they also understand that, so they know the importance of that. So it's very deep-rooted with me in, in that, uh, using that correct terminology. Yeah, so I actually heard you um, tell the story about your nieces and nephews um, <laughs> at, at, uh, at, at the OATA symposium, right. and uh, that's why, and that kind of stuck with me, and that's why I actually reached out to you. I'm like, you know who would be perfect to have this conversation yeah. with? It yeah. would be it would be Joan. So, um, so that's what you refer to yourself as, and you kind of answered it. I was going to ask you, has that changed at all over the years? But it kind of sounds like you've pretty much always referred to yourself as as an athletic yes. trainer, and you've yep. been around you've been around people. Um, you know, some of your mentors and colleagues have have also been of that same mindset. So it it definitely is ingrained. Um, right. So you know, the big question that <clears throat> you know when this topic comes up and you talk to people is, you know, people will, there seems to be a, a general consensus that we should refer to ourselves as athletic trainers mm -hmm. that we should. But what a lot of people say is, 
does it really even matter? Is that the, you know, there are bigger fish to fry within the profession. There are bigger battles to fight, you know? So I would just like to, you know, what is your, why do you think it matters so much? Sure. Great question. I really think it matters because of the identity of who we are and the educational process that we go through. The educational process alone has changed significantly. Um, it has become a, a high-end healthcare profession in order to be recognized in that sense. That's where the terminology is very, very important to be able to give credence to the profession, to be able to have it be identified as a healthcare profession first and most importantly. Um, I use the analogy quite a bit uh, with my students and even my family sometimes is, you know, when, when you're listening to uh, any sporting event and they're referring to one of the coaching staff, they always address them as the head coach and the assistant coach or the strength and conditioning coach or the wide receivers coach. You know, they don't, they don't use the shortened version of that. They don't just say coach. And there's a reason for that. And it's because there's, you know, there's different responsibilities involved with each of those positions, like there's different responsibilities involved with being an athletic trainer. So that's where I think it's really important. Um, it's obviously getting better through the years. It's, it's nice to now listen to some of the bigger sporting events on TV and you um, have the Robin Roberts of the world, I think, started this and some other really pretty good sports announcers that, you know, are adamant about using the term athletic trainer because of the, that's who we are. And that's, that's really, really super important to identify our profession. And it's also going to help us, I think, um, the more that's embedded, it'll help us move forward into gaining the recognition and gaining the credence and gaining, helping win some of the legislative pieces that are out there. Um, Cause the more you can educate everybody and have them just identify, you know, again, with athletic trainer and they know exactly what that is versus personal trainer or any other type of trainer that you want to, you know, use in there. It, you have to keep separating that from everything else. Okay. So, you know, when, when people talk about this, um, one of the things that I hear brought up is, you know, you talk about, um, you know, moving the profession forward and the things that we have to do. And um, I hear a lot of people say, and sometimes I don't really know exactly how I want to respond to it, but I hear a lot of people say, what matters for us to advance the profession forward is the care that we give not the name that we call ourselves or not how we refer to ourselves. You know, they, they view that as, again, when we talk about like, what battles do you want to fight? And they say, I don't care if they call me a trainer as long as they know what I do. What would be your response to someone who has that type of mindset? Yeah, I, I understand that, but there is specificity in what we do and how we do it. And I think that's, again, where it's important that Yes, they might know what we do, but they have to identify with the terminology of what we do because we are the first person on the field. We are the one making the decision. Um, are we going to send this student athlete to or an athlete to the ER? We, what, what are our next steps? What are our, you know, what are our, our care and treatment processes going to be? It's, um, it's really important that people um, identify with that because it's so much more than um, getting water ready and taping athletes up and getting them on the field. Um, there's, you know, we have 
all of our main five domains of athletic training and the eight content areas under that. And, you know, there's, that would, you know, it's a little overkill to try to explain that to people, but it's, we're getting better. We, um, I used this analogy in class the other day is I asked my students why they felt athletic training wasn't as uh, well known um, as other allied healthcare professions. And they, you know, they thought about it for a while and these are juniors and seniors. So they're pretty well versed and have had a lot of experiences. And, um, and then, you know, they just kind of did him and hawed around it. And I said, well, I said, uh, me personally, my answer to that question is that if you look at the profession of physical therapy, they began in 1920. Technically we began in 1950. So they have a 30 year head start on us to be able to be known and to be um, solidified in what they do. So my point to that was, is that we're still catching up to some of the other allied healthcare professions. And in order to do that most efficiently, that's why I think we have to be very consistent and educational about using the right terminology so that it gets to that point where it's a no brainer. It's okay. Yeah, we know what, yeah, we, we know what that person is running on the field, but now to me, that next step um, to kind of, you know, encapsulate it all and be solid is that's an athletic trainer running onto the field. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, to your point about, people recognizing you know what we do um for a number of years uh, i think i did it for about four years four maybe five years i went to a um a middle school um for their career day <clears throat> and would speak to it was eighth graders and would kind of speak to them and i would always start out my presentation i would say you know what do you if i i would say before i explain anything before i talk about anything when I say athletic trainer, if I ask you, what is an athletic trainer? What do I do? What would you say? And the first year I did that, <clears throat> excuse me, the first year I did that, I got a lot of the responses I was kind of anticipating getting, you know, mm -hmm. you train athletes, you um, help people work out, you um, tape people. Like it was, it was very like kind of those things. Well, at each year that I did it, um, those responses started to change. Now I was speaking with eighth graders every single time. Mm -hmm. um, to my knowledge, there was no, um, you know, advanced, you know, heads up to the students like, Hey, this is this person coming in to speak because the, the kind of the format of the career day was they, they had, they brought a bunch of people in. There's like 20 people there mm -hmm. and they all were in different classrooms and the kids rotated from classroom to classroom. Okay. And um, by the, by the fourth year that I did it, um, I said, you know, same thing. What do you think an athletic trainer does? And my, the responses I got then were, you know, you're the person who goes out on the field when somebody gets hurt, you help injured athletes get back on the field. You, um, look at the athletes when they're hurt and help take care of them. And I truthfully walked out of there that day and was like, wow, like, it, it, just in the short, I mean, it, you know, four years is not that, you know, significant amount of time, but you know, those kids, you know, within that time, they started getting exposed to athletic trainers because they're starting to get athletic trainers at their middle schools. You know, they, they have exposure to the, the athletic trainer at the high school. So they're starting to really interact with them more and truly understand it. So, you know, to the person who says the care that we administer is the most important thing. Like, yeah, obviously we're taking care of people. We want to make mm -hmm. sure that we're good at that, but it comes with 
going along with that, we want to make sure that they're attributing what we're doing to the right person. Correct. I totally agree with that. And I will never deviate from the term athletic trainer, just like a personal trainer will never deviate from that. But the, the differences are obviously the educational process. And that's why it's really important to have some consistency and persistence in using the correct terminology so that the identification of what we do is, is known and it's known, um, like I said, consistently across the board. So. Yeah. So the, the two questions I asked you, um, I'm going to give you my response is, okay. you know, to these. Um, so I do refer to myself as an athletic trainer. Um, and my opinion of, of this issue has actually, I, I'm a little bit of a flip flopper. I'll, I'll admit um, when I first got involved, I, I personally always referred to myself as an athletic trainer and the, as the, the profession of athletic training. Um, but I was kind of like dismissive of it. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I went to school with people and, um, you know, I had a lot of professors um, at Ohio State who were just like you, you know, very adamant, like we are mm -hmm. athletic trainers, we are athletic trainers. But I was kind of just like, eh, you know, it didn't really bother me. If somebody mm -hmm. said like, oh, are you a trainer? I'd be like, yeah, sure. I wouldn't think anything of it. Um, and what changed for me, um, I want to read a little thing. So um, I actually was graduated and working for about two years. Um, and I came across an article uh, that came out uh, from the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainers uh, Society. And this article was the one that really made me like, okay, no, I, it has to be athletic trainer. And the, the section I want to read is, it had to do with the um, Roger Clemens, you know, trial and the, the steroid mm -hmm. use and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And they, his defense was his trainer was giving him injections yeah. that he thought were for pain and da da da. So the athletic trainers for the team that he worked at were brought in to be questioned. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, the question they were asked was, does it make sense to you that an athletic trainer like Mr. McNamee would be performing injections of lidocaine for low back pain? And that was asked by the senior investigator, Brian uh, Cohen. And um, the person he asked was uh, Mr. Labosieri. I probably butchered that name, um, who was the, the head athletic trainer for the team. And his response was, well, I really want to clarify something. He is not an athletic trainer. People call themselves trainers. And in an old parlance years ago, trainers were people like me who were certified. We are now athletic trainers for that very reason. And all this preponderance of personal trainers and people like that who have no qualifications and just set up, set up shop. So I read that and I was like, wow, here is somebody who was not doing anything wrong, nothing illegal, following their scope of practice, being pulled in to a court case because a trainer mm -hmm. was administering an injection and they were like, oh, trainer, that guy. Yep. Yep. You know, and so that to me was, uh, and there's another little clip from the article that said, trainers are making headlines and to a certain degree, athletic trainers are as well. Thanks to the McNamees and Greg Andersons of the world, all trainers are seemingly, from a public perspective, lumped together. And the image isn't always positive, especially for the certified athletic trainer. Yep. I, I mean, that right there, you know, that 
to me, you know, my argument when I was younger and why I didn't care so much was, you know, if you say trainer, people know who that is and da da da. But there's so many people now who can technically call themselves a trainer, a pitching coach, a strength and conditioning coach, a throwing coach, a, you, you know, you name it, you can add the word trainer at the end of your name and but it's not what we are. And to me, I think that that's my biggest, you know, issue with it is like, because it doesn't mean what it used to mean. If you said trainer, everybody knew what that meant 20, 30 years ago. That's not the case anymore. Right. Yeah. The diversity of professions that can now call themselves that is huge. Um, And I think this is where athletic training has done a phenomenal job in helping to not only define and educate the public on athletic training, but the way the athletic training profession has emerged into multiple diverse areas. It's no longer the traditional college high school clinic. Um, Everything from industrial to performing arts to um, police departments, fire departments, military, that I, I have loved that growth part of the profession because that in itself is getting the terminology and the profession out there is also showing the multitude and diversity of our skills to a a population that 20 years ago, we never would have had an opportunity to do that. So uh, kudos to the leadership and the profession for thinking outside the box and thinking of ways that, you know, we, we have a great skill set. and this is, here's another opportunity when, and, and, you know, athletic trainers are always behind the scenes. We're always the middle people, but, you know, they really did and are continuing to do a phenomenal job on placement of our profession in different areas where our skill set is not only um, utilized, but it's a very valuable skill set. So that is a big piece of what I have loved about seeing the profession grow, but also at the same time, it has enhanced the educational piece and it has really, again, in getting to that level, you got to have 100% solidified of what our name is and people right away knows know what it is those have been big steps for us to take to be able to hammer those points home just as that article is and um you know if that was if that happened today that would i don't think there would be any any discussion in that so that's the good part of where we are yeah agreed absolutely um i want to circle back to um your your analogy about um about coaches and how, you know, they're referred to, you know, head coach, offensive yep. coordinator, wide receiver coach. Um, and I, I want to draw um, a medical parallel with that because I think, um, you know, I look at the, the field of nursing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within nursing, um, you don't hear nurses generally refer to themselves as nurse because you can be an LPN, you can be an RN, you can be a nurse practitioner, you can be a a doctor, a doctor of nursing, you know? And, you know, I never hear, and I always hear, you know, when people talk about it, you know, it's like, you never hear a nurse practitioner say, I'm a nurse. Mm. They always say I'm a nurse practitioner because the difference between a nurse practitioner and an RN and an LPN is so significant. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you, if a nurse practitioner was just going around saying I'm a nurse, it, it's going to be confusing because if you're, if you're going to, uh, you know, a primary health clinic or something like that, that's run by, um, you know, non, non-physician providers and a nurse practitioner walks in and says, I'm a nurse 
and does the whole assessment and gives you a diagnosis mm -hmm. and writes your prescription, you're going to walk out of there and be like, why didn't I see the doctor? You know what I mean? But if they yeah. come in and they say, I'm a nurse practitioner, you're like, oh, okay, I know what's going on. You know, and <clears throat> I think that, in, that there is another example within medicine that we can look and see how important it is. Like, yes, an LPN and RN, you know, uh, a nurse practitioner and a doctor, doctor of nursing are, are all nurses, but they need to distinguish themselves because there are different um, roles, responsibilities, and scope, legal scope of practice issues between right. those different divisions within yeah. the, their profession. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. And, you know, I think what has helped those terms solidify within the nursing profession more quickly is that nursing is, 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 is such an older profession. Everybody knows what that is. So, you know, I think it's easier for someone to say, I'm a nurse practitioner versus I'm a nurse or I'm mm -hmm. a you know, of nursing. And I, I just, because of the respect that that field has had, uh, through the years and everybody knows what a nurse is versus not everybody knows what a, what an athletic trainer is. And I know that, you know, that, that I think that leads kind of to the next question is, you know, is it the right terminology to use? Is it, do we, do we need a, you know, a name change or is that, should we stay with, stay the course and continue to, you know, hone in and hammer down? This is, this is what we are and this is what we do. So that's, That'll be interesting to see. I know that conversation um, happens in a kind of, it's, it's cyclical. It'll come back around and, you know, we'll have the discussion again is, you know, should we be something, something different than an athletic trainer? But um, yeah. What do you, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that, on that topic? Do you think there should be a name change? No, I don't. And only because of the progress that I've seen with, the understanding of athletic, the term athletic trainer, um, being able to being, um, you know, just the public knowing that a public understanding that. And again, where the profession is going to branch out, I would, I would hate to disrupt that, um, that positive movement and try to muddy the waters with something different because we're not there yet. Um, you know, nursing is nursing and that's, that, that is an understood allied healthcare profession. And that's, again, I think that's what makes it easier to understand, okay, I'm a nurse practitioner, that's the next level up. You know, we're not ready for that in athletic training yet. This, and I'm not, I would not disagree with the name change if we had uh, the credence that we need and the recognition that we have with understanding of what the athletic trainer truly is. So I, I don't think we're ready for that. Yeah. If what, a, what of the, um, there's been a lot of names, you know, thrown around and suggested, um, <clears throat> what of the ones that, what are the ones that you've heard that you felt made the most sense? Like if, if they were to come to you and say, all right, Joan, um, you're in charge, we have to change the name. What would be, what would be the one that you would choose? Yeah. I, you know, I think the only thing, and I, um, uh, you know, certified athletic trainer comes to my head, but then you add another name, another, you know, one more piece to saying what an athletic trainer is. So um, I, I think certified is a good term to add just because of the credential. It identifies a credential with the profession. Um, maybe that'll help separate us or, you know, add credence to that to a little bit more. But, um, you know, I think, um, 
I don't know. I've never been settled with changing the name. So I really haven't given a whole lot of thought into should we be something, something different. I've kind of, in my own mind, dismissed it. I've been very headstrong in using the term athletic trainer and this is what we are and this is why we are what we are. And I think it's a good name. I, and maybe that's where the, the traditionalness in me comes in and that's what I was brought up in. I've been in the profession long enough. Um, I, you know, I think we're in a good place with it and I would just hate to disrupt that to be honest with you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, we, you, you mentioned like adding, adding the word certified. Um, and I can envision people, you know, probably listening right now saying, well, Joan, we're already certified athletic trainers. What are you talking about? Could, could you elaborate on that? What do you mean by adding that term? Well, I think um, when people don't know what athletic training is or what an athletic trainer does, I think when you add something, it's um, add something that gives a credential to a profession. I think that helps them real. It, it, you start that conversation on a different level. So instead of starting, you know, I'm an athletic trainer, you know, I have a minimum of four years of education. Here's the topic areas. You, you say I'm a certified athletic trainer. Um, it's much like saying a registered dietitian, you know, you're not just a dietitian, you're a registered dietitian. And you have, to me, that starts right off the bat with, you have a certain amount of credentials to be qualified to do what you do. So that's where I think that is. Um, you know, I know we've gone back and forth quite a bit on how we, um, list our credentials and, you know, are you LAT, are you AT, you know, ATC, you know, all of that. That's where I think I hope we can all just be very consistent in that as well. But it's just, the, you know, lending the, the credential piece of that to the terminology. Yeah. So I actually, um, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I actually have a kind of a funny story. So um, I started working at, you know, the school I was at for the you know, I was at one high school for the past five years and this year started at a different one. Um, the school I was at before, um, <clears throat> the athletic director um, in one of our like parent meetings or something like that, he had on his PowerPoint slide, it was either a PowerPoint slide or a handout or maybe both um, <laughs> that said, uh, you know, trainer, Mike Johnson, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. And so I went to him one, you know, before the meeting and I said, hey, um, you know, I have to ask you a favor. And he's like, yeah, what's up? And I'm like, yes, it's too late now because you've already printed, you know, 500 of these handouts. I go, but for our meetings moving forward, can you put this as athletic trainer? You know, I said, that's really what I am. And mm -hmm. da, da, da. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And so he's like, I'll print more. I don't care. And I was like, no, 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 don't, don't waste the paper. Like, you know, just, you know, going forward. Da, da, da. Yeah. So the next day I went down to his office for something and he goes, Hey, he's like, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, why, you know, he's like, I, I get why you asked me to do that, but he's like, just for, I'm just curious, like why? And, you know, I told him, you know, this is why and yada, 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 some of the stuff that we've already talked about. And he said, okay. He's like, well, he's like, why don't I, why don't I put certified athletic trainer? He's like, cause that's, that's technically what you are. Right. And I was like, well, yeah, I go, but I said, you don't really have to put the certified. And he's like, no, I, I think I'm going to, he's like, because that's, he's like, I understand what you're saying. Like, you're not a trainer. There's so many people can, he's like, but you're also not just an athletic trainer too. Like that can sometimes, he's like, I think that 
you know. So he did. The rest of the time that I was awesome. there, everything that came out said certified athletic trainer. Anytime he announced me, he said, I'm going to announce our certified athletic trainer. Yep. And I, it was one of those things that every time he would say it, I would just kind of, I would kind of smirk because it was, I was like, <laughs> oh, I was almost kind of like an inside joke. But he, he was genuine with it. He wasn't doing it like to be a jerk and be like, oh, you don't want to be trainer? Fine. Yeah. Certified athletic. You know, he was genuinely like, no, like this is what you are. And um, that aspect is something I had never thought of. You know, I had never thought of referring to myself as I'm a certified athletic trainer. And your, your parallel that you just brought up about the, the registered dietitian Mm-hmm. You know, that never crossed my mind, not even once. So I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. gr- glad that you brought that yeah. up. Yeah, well, kudos to your AD for um, probing further. I think that was a, that's a sign of a true professional that really just wanted to understand. And, and now everywhere that, you know, from that, the ripple effect from that, I'm sure helped to educate people as well. So those are the things that have to keep continuing. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Tagging back to our, um, you know, the, the name change, I think the one thing, um, that you, you mentioned is, you know, all the progress, the progression that we've made, mm-hmm. you know, if we decided to change the name to whatever, we kind of have to start over, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's also a lot of logistical things outside of just that. I mean, we have to talk about, um, you'd have to rewrite every state practice act, you know, yeah. you'd have to, um, so do you think in, in talking with, with people throughout the profession, do you think there's, you know, cause like you said, it's, it's cyclical. The name change change keeps getting brought up and then it, we kind of say, Hey, no, we're not going to do it. And it goes away and then it comes back. Mm-hmm. And do you think that the reasons it's been shot down is because more because of the logistical side of it, or is it because of the attachment to the athletic trainer name? Uh, great question. I think it's more of the attachment. So the latter, I would say just, and, you know, more so because of, we're, again, we're at a good place for our identification of what athletic trainer is. And I, I think, I think the logistical piece wouldn't be that hard to change. I mean, it's, um, you know, just, it's uh, probably more of a bylaw based type change in that. So I don't, I don't worry about that piece. I really just worry about muddying the waters and really setting us back. We can't afford, we're at such a, a great place, but also a fragile place as far as recognition that I don't think we can afford any hiccups to be able to, you know, take a step back because we are, we're, we have some really good momentum with what the profession is doing and how we've elevated ourselves. And, and, and you and I know as the athletic trainers, it's not about the recognition piece. It's about the skills that we can offer. And it's about the, um, the acceptance by the healthcare companies and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, that's the push that we have to just, I think, consistently keep and maintain and move forward. Yeah. You, you, that's a great point. And I remember, um, you know, Dr. Starkey last year at the, the OATA symposium said, um, you know, the profession is at a place right now where, you know, his words were, we've got one chance to get this right. Yeah. You know, and he was ref- he was referring to the the ma- the switch to the master's program yeah. and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But that sentiment, you know, can spill over into many a- of the aspects of our profession yeah. in terms of you know third party reimbursement, education, uh, mm-hmm. nomenclature, which we're talking about. Um, you know, we're things are definitely, as you said, 
um, better and the public is more aware than they've ever been before. Mm -hmm. But we're also kind of at that crossroads where it could go, if we go left, we're okay. If we go right, right. not so much, you know, yeah, so. I totally, totally agree. And um, Dr. Starkey is right. We, you know, there's, um, you know, we're, st I, I, I'm personally still a little unsettled with the movement to the master's level. I understand it. I understand the why. Uh, I get it. We're in the process. We have our self-study into Katie. It's in review right now. So we're at that last step for our own program. But um, I really, um, you know, and I personally wouldn't have moved forward unless I believed in it, but there's still a part of me that, uh, you know, is like, ah, is this the right move? Is this, you know, we're doing so many good things right now. Are we, are we trying to be too much like we're following physical therapy? You know, what, you know, what is really the true underlying reason? You know, I've never been settled with that because I've, I've always struggled and the reasons why I have disagreed with this decision there's three of them. One is we're adding, we're adding tuition, two or three years of tuition to a student in a profession that really the salaries aren't there where we want them to be. And I really, really struggle with that. Um, we are also, it's caused, and at the time when we made this decision, not we, but well, well, yeah, I'll just say we, cause we're all part of it. But when we made the decision, um, the, the thought was not many programs most programs would convert. And, and I can remember um, having this conversation with uh, Joe Wilkins, my clinical education coordinator. And I just like shook my head and I'm like, I don't think that's the case. I think there's going to be a lot of small programs that won't be able to afford to do this. And I think that is coming clear now in Ohio. You have, I think there's six or seven programs already that aren't going to go forward and they're really good programs. And I really struggle with that because it's, it's causing a lot of the smaller programs to um, not have the resources or the support to move forward with a master's level program. And, you know, I feel very lucky at Otterbein because we have a great relation with the uh, nursing department and we can, we can use their simulation lab and we have some, like, huge resources that not a lot of smaller schools like us have, but this really has um, made it clear to me that the, the bigger universities are the ones that are going to survive with athletic training. And there's such a great experience at the smaller universities for athletic trainers as well. And I just, you know, that's where I've, um, you know, I still struggle with that decision, but um, moving forward, we, I, I get, I think the, the positives outweigh the negatives. Um, I just struggle with, you know, seeing some of the, some of the schools that, that, I have loved and have produced a quality athletic trainer not being able to exist just solely based on resources. So. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I, I agree with you. Uh, I have very, I go back and forth with, mm -hmm. with the, the, with the decision. And, um, I think ultimately, I, I think you're right. It's one of those things where it's like, if you add up all the positives and all the negatives, I think the positives outweigh the negatives. So we need to move forward with it. But at the same time, some of those negatives are, big ones, you know, they're right. very big question marks. Yeah. And it, a lot of it is just the unknown, you know, it's the unknown of, mm -hmm. you know, I, I agree. My, your first point was my biggest uh, thing. I said, you know, if you're, if, if you're a high school senior or a freshman in college mm -hmm. and you're trying to figure out what you want to do for the rest of your life and you, you know, a lot of us were on that line, you know, athletic mm -hmm. training, physical therapy, which one do I like, yeah. what, you know, and if you're looking at it and you say, okay, 
I really want to do athletic training. So let's look at that. Okay. It's going to take six years, you know, four years undergrad, two years masters, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to come out and I'm going to make this much money. Um, And then you look at physical therapy and you go, okay, well, it's an, it's an extra year of school. So it's seven years. And then you look at how much they're going to make versus how much the athletic trainer is going to make. You're like, well, for one more year, I might as well do it. Right. And, and that was my biggest concern with it as well. I said, you're going to lose those really, really good, those people who would be really, really good athletic trainers who yep. choose to be physical therapists purely because of financial reasons. And you can't fault them for that. I mean, one, right. one of my really good uh, friends was loved athletic training, loved everything about it, said, hey, I want to do this, but this is you know the lifestyle I want to have for my family. I want to be able to mm-hmm. be the sole provider for my family. I want my wife to be a stay-at-home mom. That's what she wants. Mm-hmm. So I've got to go the physical therapy route because that's the only way I can do it. Right. And I think you're going to see more of that you know, with this model. And that was my biggest fear. Now, I don't know that. That's an unknown. We have no yeah, idea because the masters might give us the ability to have a better salary if consistently, right. you know, so it's, it's definitely, uh, there's, there's a lot of, you know, positives and negatives and a lot of question marks with it, but. Um, well, there's, there's a lot of angst with it as well. And, um, and I get a master's degree to a politician looks much stronger than a bachelor's degree when you're trying to get these legislative pieces through. And, you know, and really the, the third reason that really bothers me, and we have, have not figured out at Otterbein yet, we have two graduate assistants and these, these two graduate assistants came to get a, a grad degree, but also practice as, a, as an, uh, an athletic trainer, um, we're not sure what we're going to do with that. I mean, the bigger institutions can easily turn them into paid internship-based positions. Um, we can't afford to do that. So, you know, nor can we afford to uh, hire two more assistant athletic trainers. So we're in a little bit of a, of a pickle with that, which most small institutions, especially now with the COVID impact on some of the smaller institutions, it's uh, Timing's not great on that, but I mean, we'll figure it out, but it's just, um, I just think those opportunities for continuing on to get an advanced degree are going to be limited a little bit more. So I, that would be the third reason why I have struggled with this and, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll make it work, but um, Mm -hmm. I just don't ever want to take opportunities away from people to advance in our profession and, to really get some really neat experiences that you, you would get at a small school versus a larger school. So that's right. Right. Um, so we went off on a bit of a tangent there yet a very important one. So I'm not upset about it. So, um, you know, so we talked about how the athletic trainer versus trainer discussion, you know, sometimes can split, you know, our profession and, I know for people like me and I'm assuming people like you, sometimes I, I feel like I, you know, I beat my head against the wall yeah. and I say, why is this even up for debate? Why yeah. is this even, you know, it seems so clear to me, you know, but for some reason it's not. So he- help, help me, Joan. Why, why do you think that this is something that we even have to talk about? Why do you think there's such a split sometimes within the profession of, you know, calling ourselves what we are. Yeah, I, uh, I think part of it's um, having the persistence to continually do that. And sometimes you get exhausted by not doing that. And, and sometimes you just hit a wall with, um, I've hit a wall more with media based issues. Um, 
in the resistance to the change to, um, to use the term athletic training in print. And, um, you know, I think it's just sometimes it's just that never ending battle. That's like, all right, I, you know, it's easy to give up, but I think, um, I think we just have to keep looking at it as persistence to this is what we are. And this is, this is, this constant educational process is what's going to elevate us. And, um, you know, I look at it through the lens of, I want my students to be able to have a much better profession than, you know, salary wise and recognition wise than what I had. And, um, I think, again, we're still a relatively young profession. If you think about it and you look back at that compared to other allied health professions, um, I know we're in an instant society. We want that, we want it to be understood right here and now, but, um, you know, we still have a ways to go. We've come a long way. And I, I just think we just have to keep, um, yeah, it's going to bang our heads against the wall, but just keep being persistent with it. So we can just, you know, get to that next. We're, I think we're ready to get to that next level. So we're even more so now going to the master's level. That's going to be even more important that everything is always athletic trainer, athletic training. And I think the message will get through. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I, um, yeah, truthfully, I, I do struggle with that in terms of, um, I, I just, I get so frustrated. Like I said, I was, I was in those Facebook groups and I left them cause I was yeah. like, I can't deal with, um, you know, it, it, it was just one of those things where I was like, it, this seems so simple to me. Like, I don't mm -hmm. understand why everybody's not on board with it like I, yeah. I it, it seems pretty clear to me and and like I said full disclosure I'm a flip-flopper I was <laughs> I, I was someone who didn't really care that much and and now I you know I do care about it and it's one of those things where you know I do struggle with it because I'm like you know I look at people who I respect who are my colleagues my mentors and stuff mm -hmm. like that and even sometimes some of them it, they're like, oh yeah, I'm the trainer at so-and-so. And I'm yeah. like, oh, what is wrong with you? You know, <laughs> like, um, you know, it's, it's definitely one of those things, but you're right. We have to continue with it. And, you know, we need, you know, unification with across the entire profession. Um, you know, do you think there's something to be said for our profession in terms of when we talk about advancing, when we talk about getting to that next level, whether it's salary, whether it's obtaining, you know, third-party reimbursement, whatever mm -hmm. it is, we seem to deal with fragmentation within the profession. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, not all of us have NPI numbers, mm -hmm. you know, and we say, hey, if you really want to get recognized by the government, by Medicare, Medicaid, we have to have, you know, 80% of us have NPI numbers. And I don't know what the latest figures are. Um, I haven't looked at that, but I know at one point they were embarrassingly low. I mean, they were so, they so are. bad. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you know that. Um, do you happen to know what the figure is by chance? I think it's closer to 40%. Okay. So, um, on the district. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, so like NPI numbers, we can't get everybody on board to get an NPI number. We can't get everybody on board to use the use the credential. What do you think? Do you think we're our own worst enemy with some of this stuff? <laughs> I think we are sometimes, um, and I think this is where the the higher ed programs could take a little better initiative in making sure that every single student has these. Every single student is a member 
of the NATA. Um, I think the you know the explanation of why the MPI numbers are important uh, really just needs to be hammered hammered home to these newer younger students. And I, you know, that's where I think we could do a better job on our end, um, being the educators to uh, hopefully make that a, a better better situation. Um, you know, I, I I struggle a little bit with the profession on. Sometimes I think we have too many too many irons in the fire and we're trying to solve too many problems. And I, I think there are times where we don't have a lot of extra money like a PT profession has to hire the lawyers, to hire the marketing, to do those big things that we need to do. Sometimes I think we just need to focus on one or two things and let's get that done. And, um, you know, and that's, I'm stepping out of my sandbox a little bit saying that because I don't know all of the ins and outs and all of the efforts and the costs associated with that. But, um, Sometimes I do think we get in our own, our own way a little bit, and, and but I think it's with good intention. It's with good intention to, we see something and we, we grab it and we change it. And that's where, again, I think that's been beneficial for us in broadening the whole depth of opportunities that students, my students that graduate today have, have a ton of different areas to go into. And um, they're not limited. And, you know, they, whether it's equine and theater or, you know, again, you know, 15 or 18 other areas, that's, that's huge for us. So, um, yeah, but sometimes I think we just have to hit pause and just say, okay, what's, what's number one, number two priority here. And let's just make sure everybody's on board with it and try to tackle that and move forward in that, in that direction. I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Um, it's, it's, and you know, it, it all just depends on everybody's, you know, everybody's got their own opinion. Um, you know, some, you know, some analogies, you know, people say like, well, if you, if you aim big, if you shoot for the big yeah. things, all the little sure. things will fall into place. Sure. But then the flip side of that, you say, well, if you do all the little things, they add up to a big thing. Um, yeah. So, you know, in talking with people when, you know, about this topic and they say, they're like, look, it, it doesn't matter whether people call us athletic trainer or trainer. We need to get third party reimbursement. We need to yeah. improve our salary. We need to, and I'm like, but we can't do those things if we can't even agree on what we are. Like, right. If, if half of us say we're one thing and the other half say we're other, what makes you think a large insurance company is going to be like, oh yeah, let's, let's reimburse them, yeah. you know? Um, and, and that's where, you know, I agree with you. I think sometimes we, we, we try, you know, an initiative this way and then we start doing this one and we start doing this one and it's like, mm -hmm. well, what happened to the first one? Right. You know, we didn't even get halfway through that one before we started a different one. Um, but, and again, I, I agree with you. That's definitely not, you know, my area of expertise. I don't know all the ins and outs of that. Just from a, a lowly perspective, such as mine, it, that's yeah. what it seems like. It does. And, you know, I think, um, it's much like, you know, having a, having a, a championship team, no matter what level is, everybody has to be on board with the goals and the direction in order to accomplish that you know, pinnacle feet. And we have to do the same as a profession. We have to make sure that every single person's on board and that, you know, that I think we have some really good leadership um, in place and we've, we've had great leadership. And um, I think that, it, but it does start at the top and um, it branches out in through, um, you know, all of the districts. So I, you know, we're getting there. So it's, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say that we get we get in our own way sometimes, but because I think that's just human nature on some fronts and, and it's, it's not for lack of trying. So that's, I always kind of fall back on that. It's, it's something that 
the athletic training profession and the people that are pushing us forward are. They might be going in a million different directions, but I think the outcomes have been worth doing that on, on, in some ways as well. Yeah, could we have been a little better organized and get getting more people on board? You know, yes. Um, but again, I, I still go back to, you know, the first, you know, from you know 1950 to 1990, it was acceptable to be called, you know, a trainer. So it really wasn't until we started progressing and started, um, you know, hey, this is a bona fide profession here. And, and not only is the diversity changing within the profession of the professionals, the, the places are, of employment are changing, we're doing more, the educational process has changed. And, you know, so we, those are huge steps. And sometimes you have to let those steps settle in and more people will be on board with those, just like this next step of a master's program. It's, it, it'll be good it'll pay off at some point, but we're going to have to be a little bit patient with it. Um, but we're also going to have to be smart in how we use it and how we can utilize the skill set and the educational process to not only educate the public, but convince our legislators that we are, um, we have a specific skill set that can be billed for. So we're getting there. And I think, you know, it's, it's always Fun for me to look in my rearview mirror and see where I started, where the profession has started, and where we are today. Um, it's it's made a ton of progress. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very well said. Can't really don't really have much more to to add to that. Um, so before we wrap up, because we've pretty much hit um, everything we wanted to talk about. Um, I just want to, you know, throw out there to, to all of you who are listening, you know, regardless of where you fall on this, um, on this discussion, um, you know, I want to make it very clear, you know, if you, if you disagree with, with Joan and I, um, that's fine. You know, that doesn't make you, that doesn't make you a, a bad athletic trainer or a bad person. Um, but you know, it, this is definitely something that I, I hope, through the conversation that Joan and I have had today, I hope that um, it may pique your interest a little bit, maybe make you think about things a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe you change how you refer to yourself. Maybe you don't. Um, but we just wanted to have the conversation because there's a lot of uh, again, it's it's one of those topics that gets brought up a lot, but it, it usually gets squashed before you can really actually have a good conversation about it. <laughs> and um, so I'm, again, very thankful that Joan was able to hop on today. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to add before we wrap everything up here, Joan? Uh, not really. I just really appreciate the opportunity to um, have this conversation, to be able to hopefully get this uh, these thoughts out to everybody a little bit more. and. And I agree with you. If you, uh, you know, even if you disagree, that's fine. Um, it's not going to stop me from doing what I'm doing as far as being persistent and saying, I, you know, okay, but I, we are athletic trainers for a specific reason. And um, so, um, but that's, those are the types of conversations that move us forward as well. So would welcome any feedback or any, any additional conversations on that. I'd be happy to be engaged in. So, so thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So um, for everybody out there, uh, we did, uh, this is our second episode in, in April. Um, we're hoping to continue doing these monthly um, depending on 
you know, work schedules and COVID and when we all finally get, get back to doing what we're normally, you know, used to doing, uh, we might be able to do a little bit more. We might be able to do two a month like we did initially. Um, but I thank everybody for listening. Uh, thanks again, Joan, for, for being on today. Uh, everybody stay safe out there. Uh, be smart. Take care of yourself. And thanks for tuning in. Take care.